Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Hi everyone, how are you? Oh, I love that introduction from Dan. Thanks everyone. This is Nina Clark, your happy host of Nina's Got Good News. I'm so excited that you're here, that I'm here, the mics are working, everything's working today. How awesome is that? What a wild journey this has already been. Just launching this podcast has been like having a third baby, but I don't have to change any diapers. Pretty awesome. I'm so grateful for you guys for listening and supporting this movement. Every single week we are growing. Nina's got good news and I'm just so grateful. Today I am honored and privileged to be here with you guys for podcast number seven with a very famous guest, a VIP, a good news, all-star VIP, <laughs> my good friend, famous in his own right, best-selling author, total rock star, Casey Sherman. Welcome to the podcast, Case. How are Hello. you? Good, good, Nina. It's my honor. Congratulations on the podcast. I'm psyched. Oh, you're so awesome. Well, we're just so thrilled to have you because... Who knew that my friend would become so famous? And now he's here to talk about his brand new book called 12, this inside story of Tom Brady's season of redemption. And by the way, just to brag a little bit for Casey, it is currently the number one selling sports book right now. Congratulations on the book, Case. Oh, no. Thank you, Nina. Uh, it's, it's been a wild ride. The book came out on Tuesday and it's uh, already created a lot of news and, uh, you know, really sparked uh, some interest in the, the storyline, obviously. So we've just been myself and my co-author, Dave Wedge, have uh, been talking about the book uh, ad nauseum since since Tuesday morning. But it's all good. People are excited to read it and find out exactly what you know Tom Brady was going through when he went through that deflate gate saga and was able able to come out the other side and win the Super Bowl. Well, I'm a huge fan of Tom Brady, but it is a little difficult living in Connecticut, as you know, Case. Sure. It's a I little remember. tricky, remember. But <laughs> yeah. before we jump right into the book, I want to talk a little bit about yourself first. So introduce, because not everyone is a Boston person on this listening to this podcast. Of course, everyone in Boston knows Casey, but if you're not in Boston, tell us a little bit about yourself, Case. Where do you live? I know you have be two beautiful daughters, so give us a little introduction first. Sure. A little snapshot. Um, I live on the south shore of Massachusetts in Marshfield. That's uh, about uh, 25 minutes south of Boston and close to the Cape. I was uh, born and raised on Cape Cod, went to Boston University, uh, um, went through the journalism program, spent many a year as a television news producer with you, Nina, um, during my career, and then started to write books now, I would say about 15 years ago. And uh, I've just... Uh, published my 10th book, uh, which I'm very excited about. We've also got a lot of uh, different movie projects that have, uh, you know, made it to the big screen or are in the process of doing that right now. So it's an exciting time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, if, if all my Boston peeps could just uh, laugh with me, that's wicked awesome, Casey. Wicked <laughs> awesome. But wicked let's awesome, let, right? that is wicked awesome. You're amazing. Yeah. So let's talk quickly about our friendship because I was thinking back to when we met. I think it was either 1995 or 1996, but if you can 
remember that. I don't know. It's a long time. I think but... it was 95. Okay, yeah, 95. Right the, uh, OJ trial. Yep. So, oh my gosh, that was over 20 years ago. Wow. I know. So we worked at News 8 in Connecticut, which is the ABC station. We started a morning show together. It was the first morning show at our TV station, WTNH. We started Good Morning Connecticut together. We were the producers, yep. right? Casey right. was in charge of the 5 a.m. broadcast. I was in charge of the 6 a.m. broadcast. So we worked overnights together, which is so crazy to think about. But so, Case, tell everyone, give everyone a little picture of what is it like working in a newsroom in the middle of the night? Well, we have to kind of keep each other uh, engaged, entertained, and awake, really. it's uh, We were the little engine that could. It was you, myself, uh, our anchor team, and our our trusty associate producer, John Rosen. Shout out uh, to Rosen. We love you. Yeah, exactly. So I remember those days, and I'll always, you know, I can be driving down the street, and I'll remember some crazy story about what happened to us during that newscast, and I'll just burst out laughing because you never know what's going to happen. Our, we had a lot of uh, live shots, which was very rare for a morning newscast at that time, and you know those live shots would go down at the uh, blink of an eye. And we did, you know, we were barely out of college ourselves, so we barely, we didn't really have any idea what we were doing, oh but we gosh, learned on the job. Totally. We were so clueless, weren't we? But at least yeah, at least we had we each were. other, right? At least. Yeah. We- yeah, we, each other. we did. It was yeah. a lot of fun. And it's just crazy to think, right, that we got we went into work and started our shift at 10 p.m. at night. I mean, Case, do you think anyone even does that anymore? I keep thinking about that. I'm like, is that even how does that even I know. exist? I- it's it's so bizarre. I don't know if the morning news is done remotely now from people's homes and and, and beds, but we were up there, uh, you know, ten o'clock at night every every night. I remember, uh, you know, I'd go in to get my morning coffee at ten p.m. at night um, and bring that? it into the newsroom, yeah. and uh, you know, we'd all be uh, you know digging into last night's news, looking forward to what was happening today. And again, it was at the height of the OJ trial. So there was always something, you know, crazy nationally going on and, uh, you know, locally as well. Um, I remember those days quite fondly. It was great. Oh my God. The OJ case. I mean, the OJ case, like basically took over our lives, right? It was so crazy. But so so let's, let's talk about life after news case, because both you and I have now left TV news but let's talk about your life after TV news. We both left Connecticut, right? We both went to right. Boston and worked in yep. television news there. And then what happened next with you after well, news in Boston? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, it, it was it was I left the news um, business in 2008. But quite frankly, I'd been going on fumes for a while. I mean, you know, the, uh, covering 9-11 really impacted me. Uh, a great deal. And I was just, I wanted to try something new because I couldn't stand the death and destruction on a daily basis that, you know, you and I had to face, reporters had to face, et cetera. You know, it's a responsibility to get the news out, but it also takes its toll. Um, what, what really, the turning point for me was uh, there was a, um, you know, really devastating winter. We always have them, it seems now, but um, in the mid-2000s, they, we had a blizzard in Boston, and there was a, a young woman with her two children who were overcome by karma, uh, carbon monoxide poisoning in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Basically, a snowdrift had covered uh, uh, the heating vent 
and um, uh, the woman and her two young children were rushed to the hospital, and the little daughter, um, uh, Nicole, was was killed. I didn't know it at the time. I was covering that breaking news, sending a chopper down, getting aerials of uh, of the home, and trying to get a reporter on scene to literally find out what was happening. This was a, a, a woman that I had grown up with, and I was very close to her family. Oh, so having that, having that connection mm-hmm. to her, yeah, that and not personal knowing connection, it, yeah, you know, and not knowing it at the time, and it just. That one stuck to me, obviously, and I thought, okay, it's time to, it's time to, you know, try to take the skills that I that I've learned as a writer and 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 put them, I think, to to a little better use. Um, so that's what I've been trying to do ever since. Well, you've always been a good writer. I even remember that back in '95, you had such a good knack with words, and even talking to you now today, I just think you just have a way with words, and so uh, I, it's no surprise to all of us that really know you so well and got to work with you that you're now a best-selling author. So let's talk a little (laughs) bit about this amazing brand new book that's doing so well. How did you even get the idea for this book? Well, um, you know, my co-author and I had just gone through the Boston Strong experience. We wrote a book about uh, the Boston Marathon bombings and spent about a year and a half with the uh, survivors, or at least about 100 survivors of the marathon bombing. And again, that does take its toll as well. But it was an incredibly uplifting and inspirational story that ultimately we told. Part of the book was uh, uh, adapted into the uh, feature film Patriot's Day with Mark Wahlberg. And Dave and I were looking for another project together and And we just, you know, we were going through a bunch of different uh, scenarios. And one of them was uh, focusing on the dark side of the NFL, this uh, mysterious corporate culture that exists. And there had been several gates going on, these uh, investigations and scandals in in the sport, you know, beginning with Spygate in 2007 and then Bountygate with the New Orleans Saints. So we thought, okay, maybe we'll we'll tackle that. And then obviously Deflategate happens. And so we were just casual observers to watching what Tom Brady had gone through until, um, you know, he pulled off that incredible come from behind win in the Super Bowl, the greatest come from behind win in Super Bowl history. And as the confetti is literally uh, streaming down on Tom's head, that's where we said, "Okay, now we have our ending. Now we have our book. And simultaneous to that, Nina, we get a call from um, our Hollywood partner. Now, I've I've done I've made two films and I've got a few others that we're working on right now. And I usually work with the same screenwriters, uh, this Oscar nominated team of Paul Tamasey and Eric Johnson. They wrote The Fighter with Mark Wahlberg. They wrote The Finest Hours, which was my first uh, book adapted into film. And they also wrote Patriot's Day. Now, these guys are L.A. guys, Nina, and certainly not Patriots fans. But they called us that night and said, guys, there's a book here and there's a movie. And would you be willing to go down, you know, write the book so that we can adapt it to the big screen? And that's what we did. Oh, my God. I I would have been like, pinch me. I mean, is this really happening? That's so incredible. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. So let's go back to that incredible 2016 Super Bowl comeback, because that's really the good news that I wanted to share with everyone. That moment that went down in the books is the greatest comeback win in Super Bowl history. As you mentioned, there were so many lessons that we can all take away from that historical win. Truly, I remember talking about it to my team at Beauty Counter that Monday after the Super Bowl. And I said, you guys, and I also told my kids, like, never give up. This is, you know, that Tom Brady moment. It was so historical. But what did you learn about how how Tom Brady and 
the Patriots were able to turn that game around. That just that was so incredible and went down in the books. But what did you learn about how they how they were able to do that? Well, with our book 12, we bring you right into the huddle on not only the offensive side, but the defensive side with uh, all of the key players that pulled off that come from behind win, obviously, including Tom Brady. It's the only book that he's ever uh, cooperated with that he didn't write himself. There is no avocado ice cream diet in our book. It's really about Tom on the field, Tom off the field. Remember what he was going through at the time, struggling not only with his reputation, you know, the attacks on his reputation, but his mother was going through uh, extensive cancer treatment at the time. So you, you look at all these external challenges that were facing him. And that, that game that we all saw really is the tale of, of two halves. The first half, uh, the 28 to three drubbing that the Atlanta Falcons, you know, put over the Patriots. We all began to see what we thought was Tom Brady aging before our eyes. He threw that interception uh, that went for a touchdown. He made this pretty pathetic uh, attempt to tackle the defensive player. And you just see him, you know, laid out flat on the, on the field, you know, thinking, okay, well, you know, it was a good run, but now we're seeing age finally catch up to him. But what we didn't know was that obviously there was no give, give up or no letdown with not only Tom, but the rest of his teammates as well. I was shocked and surprised that at the calmness of the atmosphere and in, in the environment. No one got too excited. No one got, uh, you know, thrown into despair. They just treated every single play, one play at a time. And they knew that if they, if they just stuck to their game plan and not, not reacting to what the Falcons were doing, that they could possibly come from behind and win this. And we spent a lot of time with uh, Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft talking about this particular game as well. And there's a, a neat little um, uh, story in the book about how they're reacting uh, to the game as it's unfolding in the owner's box. I mean, and can you imagine them, how stressed they were at that first half? My gosh. Yeah, right. I was so stressed. I was biting oh, my yeah. nails. I was freaking right. out. We all were. And then, you know, many, many of us turned off our television yeah. sets. Yeah, Mark many Wahlberg people went to bed. Game. Oh, yes, that famous scene with Mark <laughs> yeah. Wahlberg, yes. You know, so, uh, you know, while, you know, people were giving up on the team, the team refused to give up on itself. And it culminated in one of the greatest you know, uh, sports performance, uh, you know, ever in any sport. It reminded me a little bit of uh, the, the old Muhammad Ali fight in um, 1974. He was this aging heavyweight who fought George Foreman in Africa. And George Foreman was this Mike Tyson-like beast. He was unstoppable. Was every shot that he threw against an opponent was a was a knockout shot. No one gave Muhammad Ali any chance of surviving in the ring against Foreman and for eight rounds Foreman beat the hell out of Ali but Ali had a plan mm -hmm. which was to wear Foreman out and he finally does and he knocked Foreman out the next round now that's exactly what what the Patriots did they wore the Falcons out they were better conditioned yep. than the Falcons going all the way back to training camp there's this hill that is in back of Gillette Stadium that um, each player had to run you know every day, twice a day during training camp. And it really was the mountain that they had to climb metaphorically um, to keep them in peak condition for this exact moment in time. Mm, I know. And just never give up, you guys. I just love that lesson. I think it's so huge for all of us, no matter if, you know, sports or no sports, just in anything in life. 
Just exactly. don't give up. You know, channel your inner Tom Brady and your inner New England Patriots. But, <laughs> Case, in terms of the access that you got to Tom Brady, like you were mentioning, I mean, how on earth did you even get access to Tom Brady like that? The fact that he went on the record with you for this book. I mean, I just think that's so huge. So how did that come together? Well, you know, it's all about leveraging relationships. So we, uh, you know, that w- the New England Patriots is such an insular organization and environment. And we worked with a former New England Patriot named Matt Chatham. Matt uh, is a uh, three-time Super Bowl winner with the Patriots. He was a linebacker. And he was also, uh, you know, Brady's de facto roommate in his uh, rookie year. They all kind of hung out at the same, you know, frat house, if you will, in Franklin, Mass. All these guys that weren't uh, touted um, draft picks, they were all kind of vagabond rookies, all working together, living together, and learning together. And uh, Tom's still very close to Matt, and Matt was able to, uh, you know, bridge that gap between a couple of writers that did not know Tom Brady and Brady himself. Well, good for you. That's amazing. So I really love that. Now, Case, in terms of you mentioned the, the book, 12, it's already being made into a movie. So I'm just curious, walk us through, how does that process work? How long does that process take? Just tell us a little bit about that, because I know you've had experience with other movies, your other books going into movies. So what's the process like? I'm so intrigued by that. Yeah, for us, it's what it, you know, it's been really working hand in hand with the screenwriters to create a pitch document. Now, a pitch document is anywhere between 10 pages and 40 pages. And that's what uh, my representatives and our screenwriters take into these studio meetings with studio executives or directors or uh, acting candidates. And you literally walk the audience, meaning these executives, through what the film will look like. Sometimes there's a video component to it. With the finest finest hours, uh, we had to create what we call a sizzle reel, which is basically, you know, a five-minute movie, uh, uh, again, really laying out what what the big budget movie could be. And with the finest hours, we only had um, historical photographs and images and certainly didn't have any any video to show um, to show these executives. Well, with the Patriot story, you know, we do. Tom Brady, obviously, we have that uh, Super Bowl and it's so fresh in everybody's mind. So these executives can visualize it a lot easier and Once they understand what the movie is going to be, and it's all about, you know, finding the vulnerability in your lead character, you know, trying to make Tom Brady uh, vulnerable, which is which is a challenge to the outside world. But it really wasn't to the writers, Dave Wedge and myself, because we knew Tom Brady as the 199th draft pick in the 2000 draft as a as a castaway uh, from the University of Michigan who barely ever got on the field. And when he did get on the field, he won every game, but he was never, uh, you know, uh, given the confidence of his coaches uh, to allow him to have this leadership role and starting position. So here's a guy that has had a tremendous chip on his shoulder for 18 now going on 19 years. And he uses that chip on his shoulder as a motivating force to create this competitive edge that makes him the best at at what he does and the best that has ever done it. So to get into Brady's head, I think, is going to be ultimately the challenge that we will have as filmmakers when we bring this to the big screen. And that could happen anywhere between you know, two years if the script is written quickly and approved by the studios 
or four to five years if it gets into, you know, uh, the what we call development hell, you know, which means, you know, more executives jump on. We've got a director that may want to change the script. Those things are really out of our control, but we try to maintain a certain um, path forward to success. And we've been able to do it so far with the finest hours in Patriots Day. We're going to be doing that with, I just signed a, a deal with 20th Century Fox to bring one of my books Animal, the bloody rise and fall of the mobs, uh, most feared assassin to the big screen as well. So I'm going to be doing a lot of Hollywood work over the next 12 months. Oh my gosh, I love it. Just don't forget the little people case. And, you know, maybe you could send me your I autograph. I am the little people. Remember, you, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe you could send me your autograph too, case. Yeah, but, right, right. So in terms of the movie, though, this is the big question, case. So um, who would you really like to see Tom Brady? Who do you want to have him, you know, who do you want to play Tom Brady? I have my well, picks. I'll okay, tell you well, mine. let me ask you. Okay, you tell my, me yours first. My picks are Chris Pine, who I know starred in your other movie, yes. The Finest Hours, which I Great love. Yeah. Love Chris Pine. And then that actually would work well for you because you've obviously already have that relationship because That's of the right. other movie, Finest Hours. And then my other pick would be Taylor Kitsch, who played Tim Riggins in Friday Night That's Lights. Right. And I oh, love him because I was obsessed with Friday Night Lights. <laughs> and Tim Riggins was one of my favorite characters in that football uh, yeah, TV show. Yeah, he was great in the show. So right. what are your picks, Case? That's well, the million I mean, dollar I, question. You know, I've got to be a, I've got to keep my cards a little close to the vest because we are talking right now to uh, potential um, uh, candidates to play Tom. And I will say that it has to be somebody that's that can pull off the physicality, somebody that's tall. You know, Tom's six five. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, and when people throw out names like Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg to play Tom Brady, it, it's it's so uh, humorous. Yeah, that is funny. You know, these guys are smaller guys, and people don't remember that Tom Brady's not from Boston. He doesn't have a Boston accent. Mm -hmm. He's a California dude, and um, we have to think of it that way. But I do love uh, the idea of Chris Pine potentially, uh, you know, suiting up as number 12. I think he'd be a real solid choice for us. Uh, we haven't met with him yet, and uh, we're talking to a few other people um, right now. So, you know, you go down the line and you talk to – you know, a lot of different candidates and a lot of times, you know, it comes down to availability at the time you're ready to shoot. Right. Of course. Um, you know, yep. somebody that may be the best um, candidate to play a, a certain role. And you think, God, why didn't they they choose that person for this movie? Well, they probably did. But by the time the movie camera started rolling, that actor or that actress was involved in another production and just couldn't couldn't break it for that commitment. Right. Okay. Well, so anyone that has any power that might be listening, we are all jumping on the Chris Pine bandwagon officially here on the podcast. I like but, that. Yeah, I like that. So, Case, where can our listeners pick up the new book, 12? You can pick it up. Uh, go to Amazon.com and, and get your copy, and it's in every bookstore in the country right now, as you mentioned. Thank you earlier in the podcast that it's it's the number one sports book in America right now, and I think people are picking it up and learning a little bit more about about Brady himself and all the drama that he had to overcome just to get to where he is today. And I think it's uh, I think it also unfolds like a legal thriller too, Nina, because we focus on these unsung heroes. These lawyers, these NFLPA attorneys uh, that were battling Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner at the time, and really protecting Brady's blind side off the field and, and learning their stories for the first time. I think the readers will be really interested in that as well. Oh, my gosh. Just fascinating stuff. And Case, last question. Tell me, 
You've heard how proud I am of you as your friend and former colleague, but what do your two beautiful daughters think of their famous father now? I'm just curious as a dad. You're curious as a dad. They wonder, you know, when can I pick them up from this practice and bring them to that practice? They Or maybe they, they, when can you take them to the mall to shop? Yes. Oh, exactly. I think their friends get a kick out of it. You know, the girls have been on movie sets. They've been to world premieres. You know, I keep having to tell them that it's, you know, a lot, a lot of kids really don't get to do this. But, you know, they, they, they keep me incredibly grounded and they're great kids. They don't have, uh, you know, they don't let me get uh, too ahead of myself. And I certainly don't let them either. So uh, I'm just dad to my girls. Oh, that's so cute, Case. I'm just so, so proud of you. I can't even tell you every single time I see one of your Facebook posts or Instagram posts, I'm just bursting with with pride because who knew that back in 1995 that we would be talking here on the podcast about this incredible book and your really, truly amazing career? And really just the news part was just part of our journey. So I'm just so right. proud of you. Congratulations. I want well, to thank the, the you. The feeling is mutual too, Nina. I mean, you're just such a life force from the first day I met you. Always had a smile on your face. Incredibly smart, gifted, but really kind too. And I think that you know the the people that listen to you um, every week or in every podcast, they are starting to know the Nina that I've known for for so long. And I'm uh, I, I'm so proud of you, and I, I I'm very honored to to be your friend. Oh well, you're so great, Case. I love you. I'm so glad I got to dance at your wedding and I just <laughs> love you and I'm so proud of you and I can't wait to see what you do next. So thank you so much, Casey, for being my VIP guest today. I really appreciate it. The honor's mine, Nina. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. And thank you all for listening to me today with my really great friend, Casey Sherman. Please pick up his new book, 12, like he said, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any of your local bookstores. I'm so grateful for all of you for listening today and supporting me. And remember, the mission of this podcast is to make all of us a kinder, better community together. So stay tuned for next week's podcast. Remember, you can find me on iTunes. Please be sure to subscribe to my weekly podcast so you won't miss any episodes. And once you subscribe, please consider rating my show and leaving a review there as well. I would be so, so grateful for that. So for now, I am your happy host, Nina B. Clark. Remember, the B stands for Bradley, and Clark has an E at the end of it. I'm just so happy to be here. Please find me on Instagram, because right now, Instagram is my jam. So let's connect there as well. Thank you again for listening, and let's keep being awesome. Awesome.